0: WTC is Pernilla Verse by, by verse. verse sponsored by verse by verse ministries
1: now what are all the, those are all catastrophes which kill people god has used them in judgments that's exactly what elijah's heart was saying lord judge this people wipe them out i don't care if it's an earthquake I don't care if you have to give them a strong wind. I don't care if you burn them by fire, but wipe them out. But the Lord wasn't in that. What was the Lord in? After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle blowing.
2: I suppose that we have all had those times when we felt like we just couldn't take it anymore. We can identify with the exasperation that Elijah felt when the people of Israel did not respond in faith to the incredible demonstration of power they saw on Mount Carmel. Still, God made it clear that He was not done with Israel as a nation. He would speak to them with a soft voice and a gentle blowing, rather than cataclysmic judgment. Welcome to another broadcast of Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Steve Kreloff, pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is currently going through a study of Romans chapter 11 that answers the question, Has God rejected Israel? We have already seen that Paul offered his own conversion to Christ as the first evidence that God had not completely rejected Israel. Today we will see that God purposefully chose that nation to be his own special people. Although we might make the argument that they have not deserved his favor, Paul reminds us that God chose them based upon his own grace and not on their performance. To tell us more about this choice of God and how God always sees to it, that some part of Israel remains faithful to him, here is Pastor Steve.
1: There's a second proof that God isn't ultimately through with Israel, and that is the chosen remnant, not only the conversion of Paul, the chosen remnant. Now, Paul's already introduced to us back in chapter 9, or actually even in chapter 2, he spoke to us about a remnant. So let me just go over that. Chapter 2, remember this? Paul says at the end of verse Of uh, chapter 2 verse 28 for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit not by the letter and his praise is not from men but from God then in chapter 9 he he identifies what he's talking about he says in verse 6 but it is not as though the word of God has failed for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel in other words not all Israel is Israel in the sense of being fleshly Israel. There are are some physical descendants of Israel who also have believed in the Messiah, and they become spiritual Israel. They become the Israel that God is fulfilling His promises in right now. Someday, ultimately, He'll fulfill it with the nation as they accept Him during the tribulation. But right now, God is fulfilling the spiritual blessings of salvation with people like myself, a remnant A small minority of Jewish people who have believed, so God is faithful. And then in verse 27 of chapter 9, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth thoroughly and quickly. And just as Isaiah foretold, except the Lord of Sabaoth, that is the Lord of hosts, had left to us a posterity, that is a remnant, We would have become a Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. The only reason God preserves the Jewish people now is because of that handful of Jews who believe him and he's fulfilling his promises to them. There's no other reason why he would preserve them except to fulfill his word. Now in Romans 11, Paul expands upon the concept of a chosen remnant from within the nation of Israel. Look at verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he formed It's a statement of fact. God hasn't rejected the people he chose. In fact, the term foreknew means more than just to know beforehand. God didn't just know of Israel beforehand. The word foreknew means to predetermine. It means to choose. It means preplanned love. It means to set your affection upon someone. And with the word pre before, it means beforehand. And we've gone over this In times past, especially when we covered the sovereignty of God in Romans chapter 8. In fact, if you just take the word no or new in the Bible, you'll see what I mean. New is also is often used in the Bible to speak of an intimacy. For instance, Cain knew his wife. It didn't mean that he shook her hand and said, nice to know you. It meant they, they had the intimate relationship of a husband and wife. The Bible says she knew not a man. It d- doesn't mean that she had never been introduced to a man. Or she didn't know that any men exist. No, she never had sexual relations with a man. That's how the Bible uses the word new. In Amos 3.2, God says to Israel, Israel, of all the families in the earth, you're the only one that I have known. Does that mean God didn't know about the other families? Obviously not. God knows everything. It means, Israel, you're the only one I have set my affection upon. And to foreknow someone is to set your love upon them in the sense that you uh, purposed it and preplans it and chose them. So really what God is saying is in verse 2, God has not rejected the people he chose god isn't about to break his promises and cut off the people he chose to be his special people the people who he chose to give these promises to god hasn't hasn't chosen them only to cast them aside and to illustrate that he will never cast away his people no matter how disobedient they are paul uses the old testament story of elijah i love elijah I did I think it was a sixteen week or eight week, something like that, maybe ten week. I forget study on Elijah eight weeks. Elijah is one of my favorite Bible characters because I can relate to the fellow. I understand his disappointments and I understand his disillusionment and his his depression and Paul uses Elijah. Look at verse 2. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? You say, was there a prophet who would plead with God against Israel? I thought prophets speak uh, to Israel on behalf of God and are in favor of Israel. Ah, but there was a time in Elijah's life where he actually interceded with God to destroy Israel. You know that? He wanted God to wipe out the whole nation. If you'll turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, just keep your your Bibles about that spot I'm going to explain. Very, very important. And I would encourage you, by the way, to even get the tapes on Elijah because we deal with this more thoroughly. In Elijah's day, Elijah was a great prophet, great man of God, one of the few great men of God in that day because in that day and age, Israel had apostatized. It was terrible. Uh, There have been terrible things going on in Israel, but never had it been this bad. You know why? Because there was a king in Israel by the name of Ahab. Wicked man. In fact, the famous Southern Baptist preacher R.G. Lee in preaching his well-known message Payday Sunday calls him a vile toad of a man. Calls him the vilest toad of a man that ever squatted upon the face of the earth. I can't be as poetic as that. I can just tell you he was horrible. You know why he was so horrible? He was the only king who didn't marry a Jewish girl. Now, in our day and age, when a Jewish boy doesn't marry a Jewish girl, it's, the families just have a problem. But in that day and age, it's a terrible thing. Because he married Jezebel. Even the name, nobody names their daughter Jezebel. Two names in the English language, you never name anyone, Judas and Jezebel. Just the name. Just the name connotes horrible wickedness. And she was. She was a wicked woman who made Baal worship the official religion of. Israel, Baal was a false god. Sometimes he's called Baal. Sometimes he's called Baal. Sometimes there's the female version. I believe it would be uh, Ashtaroth and so forth. And, but all kind of comes back to, to Baal. And she decided to destroy their, the Jewish people's faith in Jehovah. And so she set up Baal worship as the official religion of Israel. Horrible time in Israel. And Ahab basically was, was just her puppet. She really ruled Israel. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, there is a showdown, a confrontation. i never forget when I preached on this, uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I thought, oh, the real confrontation is right here. I mean, people forget Super Bowl after one year. But this had eternal consequences. There was a showdown between Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal. False prophets, because Baal really doesn't exist. And they have a contest in First Kings 18. Now look at the, the contest. Verse 23. Now let them give us two oxen, and let them choose one ox for themselves, and cut it up and place it on the wood. But put no fire under it, and I'll prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood. And I'll not put fire under it. Then you, meaning the false prophets of Baal, then you call on your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. That, that makes sense. That's good. We agree to that. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one ox for yourself and prepare it first for you, uh, for you are many, and call on the name of your God and put no fire under another. You go first. You know, it's okay. Then they took the ox which he had given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. And there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar uh, which they made, and it came about at noon that... Elijah mocked. Him. I suppose that's one of the reasons I like him, Elijah. I imagine him sitting against the, uh, a tree there with a toothpick between his teeth, watching this and laughing to himself. And finally, he can stand it no more, and he gets up and he says, "Call out with a loud voice, for he's a god." I mean, you got to call with a loud voice. I mean, he's just mocking them. Either he's occupied, or he's gone aside, or he's on a journey because he's asleep and needs to be awakened just mockery you know maybe he's on vacation maybe he's sleeping and uh, so they cried out with a loud voice they cut themselves according to their custom uh, with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them and probably they were saying look we've got to wake our god up and if he sees us with blood gushing out then he'll certainly pity us came about when midday was past that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice and no one answered and no one paid attention. So here are these guys in the corner doing their thing and no one's even watching them anymore. And Elijah said, now's the time. So he said to the people, come near to me. Come on over here. Come over here. All the people came near to him and and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel should be your name. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Now, that's not the way to start a fire. Okay, but Elijah wants to show them that God is God. They did it a second time. They did it uh, uh, again and a third time. And the water flowed around the altar, and, and it all. he also filled the trench with water. Here, here's all this water, and fire's supposed to come. And it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel today, let it be known that thou art a God in Israel, and I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou hast turned... Uh, their heart back again and the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench and you know what happened when all the people saw they said the Lord he's God and you know what Elijah expected no now watch this you can look up here now Elijah expected what every one of us would have expected national repentance I mean when you see a demonstration of a miracle like this You would normally think that the nation would come back to Jehovah. And Elijah, I would have to say at this point, he is hyped up. He is so excited that at the end of chapter 18, uh, the Bible says that Ahab rode on his chariot, he went back to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. And I believe that was about 20 miles. Old prophets are not supposed to outrun chariots. This man is excited. Why? Because he believed that repentance and revival would come to Israel. And you know what happens? Chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Now remember, they're her prophets. Jezebel is not going to like this. And I can imagine Elijah coming in and just, or Ahab rather, coming in and wanting to just turn the lights out. Good night, dear. Everything's fine. What happened today, Ahab? Ahab? Oh, you don't want to hear about it until morning. No, I want to hear about it now. Well, you know those 450 prophets? And by the way, if you go back to chapter 18, you see that Elijah had all of them killed. Elijah killed 450 prophets. And and that must have been... I don't know how he did it. That must have been an incredible deed of courage because I don't think they lined up and said, Next, just put their head down. Incredible. Incredible. It's sort of a Samson-type deal here. But he gets back... We get back to chapter 19. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I'm going to cut your head off. Now, Elijah has just stood up to 450 false prophets. Do you think he's going to flee when one woman is against him? Of course. <laughs> you men understand that. I don't, we can hear some amens on that. And the Bible says... Verse three, and he was afraid, and he arose, and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Now Elijah is afraid, and he's running. And you know, I think it's more than he just feared Jezebel. I believe that Elijah was brokenhearted. I believe that he had poured out his life, he had he had given his greatest message, he had expected Israel to repent totally. And when they didn't, I think the man was crushed. The man needs some help here, and God's going to give it to him. In verse 11, well, actually in verse, in verse 9, that he came there to a cave, and he lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, God knew what he was doing there. He needed one of the first ways you deal with someone who needs counsels, you let them share what their problem is. And Elijah begins to open up. Now, now, look at his pity party here. I'm not excusing Elijah, I just say I understand. What he, what he went through. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, killed thy prophets, and with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now that's exactly what Paul is saying back in Romans chapter 11. But watch this. Elijah is interceding against God. You know what he wants? He wants God to destroy Israel. He ought to have been angry against Jezebel. And against sin. But instead he's angry against the people. They've rejected him. They've rejected God. They've rejected his message. And God knows what's going on. So in verse 11, God says, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and a strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the winds. And after the winds, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Now, what are all those are all catastrophes which kill people. God has used them in judgment. That's exactly what Elijah's heart was saying. Lord, judge this people, wipe them out. I don't care if it's an earthquake. I don't care if you have to give them a strong wind. I don't care if you burn them by fire, but wipe them out. But the Lord wasn't in that. What was the Lord in? After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle blowing. In order, gentle blowing means tenderness, love, grace. God didn't want to destroy Israel, not his chosen people. He wanted to reach them with grace and tenderness. You see, God knew, and if you turn back to, to Romans chapter 11. God knew something that Elijah didn't know. Elijah says, wipe them out, Lord. I'm the only one left. So now you can take care of them. They're yours. Feel with them. Verse 4. What is their divine response to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You see, God knew something Elijah didn't know. Elijah thought he was the only one. In fact, I call this the Elijah complex. Kind of a martyr's comma. I'm the only one. It's a pity party. God said, Elijah, you don't know what you think you know. You are 6,999 wrong. I've got 7,000 men and one herding prophet. You see, if Elijah had his way, Israel would have been cast away because they rejected God. But God won't ever do that. He always has a small remnant. Let's close with verse 5. In the same way then, there has also come to be, at the present time, a remnant according to God's gracious choice. There's always a remnant. I'm a part of that remnant. Daniel and his friends in the Old Testament were a part of it. Elijah was. Moses was. There's always a remnant. Let me close with this. You know what the whole point of this is? You know what the whole purpose of this is? It's not just to fill your, your mind and your your, your thinking with knowledge, and don't close your minds to this yet. The whole point of this is to say to you, to say to me, you can trust the Word of God. God is faithful to His Word. This book is to be studied, and it's to be believed, and its promises are to be counted upon. We sang before Great is thy faithfulness. Absolutely. God is so faithful. God, according to Titus chapter 1, cannot lie. God's Word, according to John 17, is truth. The Gospel is true. And according to 1 John 5.10, if we discount the Gospel and we say it's not true, then we make God a liar. God hasn't rejected Israel. You know what that means to you? And it means to me that He won't reject you either. Believe his word, count on his promises. You may not understand how he'll bring his promises to pass, but he'll do it. Let's bow for prayer. I struggled this week with this message because how do you apply to a predominantly Gentile church truths about Israel? The only application that really comes home is that God is faithful to his word. I hope you have a confidence in the Word of God that you believe the promises of God, that you don't treat the Bible just as a textbook. I hope you see the Bible as God's Word, God's Word to be believed, to be counted upon. Are you moving out in faith to trust the Word of God? You see, God has set Israel up. And He says, Israel is my glory. If you want to understand me, look at Israel. How I deal with Israel reflects who I am. You know what this message says to us it says that we need to know that god is a trustworthy god god can really be counted upon when he tells you to do something though it may be hard you do it you just trust and you obey as the song says there's no other way to be happy in jesus god is true to his word believe it if you've never trusted christ the savior then god is still true and he's inviting you to come to him to come to Him today and accept the, the fact of history that Christ has paid for your sins and rely upon that great truth and Him for salvation. We invite you to come up after the service, you who want to speak to us about accepting Christ. Father, has God cast away Israel? Of course not. There's always a remnant, and then there's the Apostle Paul. And Lord, then there are people like myself. You haven't cast away your people Yes, temporarily set them aside, partially in unbelief, but not totally. Lord, I pray You'll help us not just to look at Israel, not just to look at what we study today, but to see beyond these truths to You, whose Word is true. Lord, may You build into each one who's here today and a part of this congregation a deep faith in the Word of God and that they personally would believe the promises of the Word and they would be doers of the word and not hearers only. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Amen. You know, when you get right down to the bottom level of our faith, you will discover that trusting God at His word forms the foundation. How can we believe that our sins are forgiven? We must believe what God has told us regarding His payment and forgiveness. And how can we live our lives with our hearts set on eternity instead of this world? we must truly believe that the one who told us about heaven always tells us the truth. So you can see we need the assurance that God's promises never fail, even when they are made to a tiny nation thousands of years ago. That is why this study on the promises made to Israel is so relevant to us today. It deals with the very nature of our God and the reliability of His Word. Thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse. This radio ministry is dedicated to teaching the Bible with thoroughness. We hope that you have been blessed and strengthened by this commitment to God's Word. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry. We depend on gracious contributions from listeners like you so that we can continue to broadcast these Bible-based studies. You can find out more about our ministry and how you can partner together with us by calling us at 727 727- 239 0306. We also have a web page that you can explore. You can even download previous broadcasts to listen anytime. The address for that website is versebyverseradio.org. I'm sure most of you have heard of men like Martin Luther and John Wycliffe, but did you know that there was a Jewish believer that greatly influenced these fathers of the Reformation? Find out about this person on our next broadcast of Verse by Verse.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We're here to give you strength between...